When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Omniverse. Hey, this is Kat. And Jess. You know, Mother She Wrote is free to listen to, but it's not free to make. So please, consider supporting our work on Patreon. You'll get early ad-free episodes of this show and all the storytelling podcasts we create. Head to patreon.com forward slash Omniverse Media to chip in and join our community of world-saving wonderkind. Oh, and heads up, this episode contains material concerning the loss of family members, child abandonment, enclosed spaces, abduction, trauma, and the threat of gun violence. Please use your best judgment when listening and take care of yourself. Love Love you. you! Dear Mom, since we paid you a surprise visit, I suppose I don't need to tell you most of this, but... Anna said I should keep writing it all down, for posterity. I suppose I can start with some stuff that I didn't think to mention when I saw you. What with everything else going on? We fought a freaking dragon! Remember that sleeping dragon in the underground maze leading out of Magicant? Since the first time I saw it, it had just been sawing logs while we snuck past on tiptoes. But this time... Shh, shh. Real quiet now. Watch out for the hole. You say that every time, and I mean it every time. Ugh, I sound like, uh, my, like my mom. mom. <laughs> you do sound like your mom. Hey, no reading my mind, just... Wait, this feeling went down my spine, like catching someone's eyes across a crowded room. It was like, all of a sudden, somewhere in my brain, the dragon and I saw each other. Run! What? The dragon's long neck snaked around in front of us, blocking the passage. No, no. Don't leave so soon. Hot shots. Uh, 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 <laughs> I've got something you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah? There's a song in my heart. And it's yours. If you can defeat me. Uh, Perhaps a battle of wits? (laughs) Well, (laughs) a little ape with no power. (laughs) I didn't even see you there. (laughs) Alas, to prove to me that you're truly up for the path before you. I require more heated conflict. Oh, oh, oh no. behind a rock just in time to dodge a jet of fire breath. Nope. 
power? What are the chances that fire is weak to ice? I can shield you while we find out. Lloyd, no power? Hmm. Lloyd, if you're going to arm a super bomb in a subterranean passage, I feel like that's something we should have a conversation about. Where are the warriors? Where are the champions? This device has been successfully field tested and my calculations are precise. Do you trust me? Implicitly. Hey, dragon! If you told me that the kid I met hiding in a trash can was gonna arm an explosive and stand between us and a fire-breathing dragon, I wouldn't have believed you. But Lloyd's always been full of surprises. <laughs> Such spark. <laughs> Did I wound you, little ape? Take I intend to hurt more than you feel. Feel my power! <gasps> oh my gosh! <laughs> awesome! Woo! How did you know that would work? Einstein's formula for success. A equals X plus Y plus Z. Where A is success, X is work, Y is play, and Z is keeping your mouth shut. He had a big mouth. And when all else fails, fight fire with fire. No mere spark, but a flame, I see. <laughs> Good. <laughs> My melody is yours. And so the dragon cleared their throats and crooned the sixth melody to us. Well, maybe croaked is a better word for it. Lloyd's bomb left them a little hoarse. Ba 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 ba. That's it? What? I assure you, when you play it together, it sounds much fancier. Only two more melodies to go. We were dreading the thought of having to cross the desert again. And just like that, Magicant graciously released us into a cave in the wilderness, just outside Youngtown. It was a welcome surprise and a huge relief, but being so close unexpectedly, it shook me. Ever since you were taken, Mama, I imagined myself here, surrounded by these big pines running to you as though I could reach into memory and pull you away from them. I didn't even realize my legs were moving. Anna? Wait up! I was consumed by that nightmare again. Light filling the young town sky like the star of Bethlehem until the village was blazing white. The shock of those inhuman hands grabbing you the weightless and breathless terror of ascending from the earth towards something unfathomably alien. The scream. The scream that didn't leave your lips, but was so loud that hundreds of miles away, it came from mine. And just like then, as I was asphyxiating from fear and adrenaline, a vision hit me like a bolt and breathed life back into me. Except this time, 
As I ran, something about the wind, the light, the smell of the trees, it felt like deja vu. And I realized the vision was real. Ninten, Lloyd, and I standing in tall grass, looking into the dark woods, together. I'd held on to this moment for so long, and now I was living it. Anna, are you okay? I am. It's all gonna be okay. It is. We're gonna find her. I believe it. He squeezed my hand, and his telepathy spoke a wordless warmth to me that made the sunlight seem more alive. We should keep moving. I'd prefer not to be wandering around these woods at night. You, you and, and me, me both. both. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx! Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Guess we all owe each other a soda, unless the aliens abducted it all. Perhaps they were repelled by New Coke? Oh, they're, they're evil. They probably like New Coke. A valid point. Like a sinister E.T. That looks weird. Through the woods, just ahead, we could make out the dirt road to Youngtown. And beyond that was a strange blockade where the town entrance should be. As we got closer, we could see it was a kind of makeshift fence, cobbled together out of spare planks and downed branches. This is not structurally sound. Halt! Uh, hello? I said halt! It's a woman! A face, crudely streaked with camouflage paint, appeared through one of the holes in the fence. It was a child, maybe seven years old. He held a spear with a kitchen knife duct taped to it. Another face appeared next to his, this one wearing a too-big catcher's mask. They're kids, too. They're suspicious. But, uh, but who goes there? Something you, baby. Oh, it's okay. We're here to help. Wrong wall move, and you're dead meat. I highly doubt that. Shh, Lloyd. My name's Anna, and these are my friends, Ninten and Lloyd. We heard something bad happen here, and we wanted to... Uh, hey! Oh! She rushed out and flung her arms around me. You can't trust him! It's okay. It's okay. We are here to help. I promise. Kids gotta stick together, right? Ninton put out his hand, radiating kindness. His eyes met the child's, and the child dropped his spear and embraced him. It's so... Oh, it's been so scary. Help us here. Help us here. Are mommy and daddy back? Are my parents back? Children gathered around us. Some were dressed like warriors, well, as best as they could manage. Others were dressed like any other day, but disheveled from weeks of abandonment. None of them were older than 10, many of them younger. We held their hands and were led to the center of the village. They've come to help us. They've come to, They've help, come us. to help us. They've come to help us. 
More children appeared from wooded shadows and hiding places and rushed to us with tear-streaked faces, runny noses, and pleading arms, desperate to be held. Did you bring any food? Are there no adults left? A big spaceship in the sky took all the grown-ups away. I saw it fly toward the mountains. And here, I'd been worrying about us, Mama. A whole town of children had their parents taken away. A whole town of orphans trying to survive on their own. I told them to leave me alone. It's all my fault. No, no, you didn't do this, sweetheart. They're never coming back. Please help us, please. Uh, What do we do? (sighs) We take charge. Everything will be all right, I I promise. My friends and I are here to help. We're going to get back everyone's mommies and daddies. We're gonna bring them all back. But right now, we've got to keep you safe. Uh, Let's line up two by two, just like Noah's animals, and walk to the church. Can you do that for me? Do you know the song? The animals, they came, they came by twosies, twosies. Animals, they came, they came by twosies, twosies. Elephants and kangaroosies, roosies, children of the... Are you Anna? Huh? Are you Anna, Ninton, and Lloyd? Yes. Yes. My name is Tom Derrickson. My brother would like to speak with you. He took us to a house on the edge of town. The crowd of children followed us with a hushed reverence. Welcome to our home. In the living room, his sister was gently rocking a bassinet. Where's uh, your brother? He's here. He's been so eager to meet you. No way. Surely not. We peered into the bassinet at the giggling baby within and... Ah, good. You've come. It's a pleasure at long last to make your acquaintance. Uh, it's talking in my mind. Anna and I talk in your mind all the time. Yeah, but it's a baby. I'm not going to lie. That's weird. Is it weird that it's the strangest thing we've encountered so far? So you're a baby, huh? Though my body is indeed that of a babe, like you all, I possess exceptional abilities. Clearly, but... Uh, Pardon me. Your cognition is remarkable. Surely by now you've seen that a linear perception of reality is but one facet of an immeasurably complex universe. I am new to this life, this body. In time, this mind will fog to the awareness that I currently possess, but regardless of our waking mind's perception. Our cosmic consciousness is ever-present. In other lives, I've been his mother. He showed me. I'm glad I can be here to care for him now. We are, all of us, in communion with our greater intentions. And that is how we come to find ourselves in this moment. We are precisely who, what, where, and when we need to be. We have called to each other. We have answered. 
I am here to impart to you knowledge that will unlock a tremendous power. A power which adults cannot comprehend. Whoa. Follow me with your minds. Follow my voice within. Consider this physical universe. All matter is in agreement on where and when it is. This bed, this house, this land in our bodies, upon this planet, in this galaxy, and all molecules therein, in this moment, in this reality. And within that, what are you? Um, human? Homo sapiens. Anna. True, but these bodies called by these names are not the whole of yourselves. They are the means through which you experience this world. They are a multitude of microorganisms and cells, each with their own consciousness, operating and growing in collaboration with your higher selves. So, we're like the cells in the body of Mother Earth. Precisely. And, like the cells of our bodies, we are in collaboration with her. Whereas the invaders from the stars are not. And therefore, we are Earth's defense force. Like an immune response. After all, most human bodies and minds don't materialize the elements from thin air. Ah, nor does the average mind puzzle out grand designs to better comprehend or harness the power of the universe, my friend. Our respective abilities hold more purpose than this conflict, though it is the matter at hand. And to that point, in this facet of reality, the older one grows, the more likely they are to anchor themselves to a fixed idea of what existence is. So I am here to remind you that existence is boundless. No thing is one thing. Everything is relative. Boundless. Boundless. The, the, the dimensional slip. I can do this thing where I blink out of a moment and sort of move? Yes. Yes, you know. You know it instinctively. All of existence is in conversation with itself, held together by collective intention. You know somewhere you'd like to be, you ask politely, and the physical world obliges you. That would mean we can go anywhere. The power of teleportation to move through time and space. We could go to Mount Itoi right now. Unfortunately, no. To Tesser is no small feat. In your present forms, in this linear reality, there are limitations. But those limits can also be tools. Your bodies have functions, instincts, intentions, that can be redirected to other purposes. A back door? To hack reality? <laughs> Something you'd like to share with the class, Lloyd? Don't mind me. Uh, please, 
continue. Very well. Now, picture in your minds a beloved but distant place, perhaps one of your homes. Feel that place, remember it vividly with all of your senses, with all your heart. You are already there. Through memory, an invisible piece of you travels. You exist in two places at once. You have but to bridge the gap. However, your bodies do not understand travel in this way. But if you were to say run, your body understands motion. It executes the travel program. If I am running, then I'm going somewhere. Meanwhile, your mind isn't pointed at your local address. It's logged into an address halfway around the world. Psychokinetic transmission control protocol. Of course. I've no idea what he just said, but I sense his instincts are correct. Reality bows to my elite skills. Wow, Lloyd. <laughs> you don't understand how your powers work. And you don't mind. I don't understand how your powers work. And I mind very much. But I think I'm catching on. Okay, so we can only go somewhere we've already been. Uh-huh. We set the destination in our minds. Uh-huh. And we just... <laughs> Run? 88 miles per hour. <gasps> oh my gosh! Yes, th that's it! Punch in the time circuits, hit 88, and boom! My body is a DeLorean. You comprehend. <laughs> you comprehend this power in a way I cannot follow, but I'm glad that it comes to you with ease. Yeah, <laughs> you might not be ready for that yet, but in a few years, you're gonna love it. You are close to the end, but the path ahead will be harder still. Use this power, and the people and places you've made a connection with will always be within reach. Your survival may depend on it. Thank you. Oh, we, we don't know your name. My parents were taken before they could give me one. The names of our pasts have little meaning here. Perhaps for now, address me in the truest manner, which we've shared so many times. Thank you, friend. And there I was in the young town church the last place you'd been, <laughs> leading the children in song just like you did. All things considered, they'd done a good job keeping each other alive with what skills they had, but there were no leaders, just the chaos of scared kids holding on to what hope they could. The ramshackle wall had been their best attempt to defend themselves from the threat of aliens returning. What possible reason could they have had for taking just the adults? It's so cruel. We took inventory of food and supplies, cooked them a hot meal, and helped them feel safe as the night came. 
Many of them wouldn't let us out of their sight and crawled into our beds. In the morning, we planned our next move. There's some kind of swamp nature preserve between here and L.A. Mount Atoy is just beyond that. The city could provide a good staging ground for our sense. I hear L.A.'s pretty rough. And with the alien base nearby, <laughs> who knows what's going on over there? But meantime, we have to figure out this teleportation thing. I, I could hardly sleep thinking about it. The crying children didn't help. <sighs> I'm simply stating a fact. I don't know if we should leave them. We'll be right back. That's the point. We could go visit your dad. I bet that would cheer him up. Yeah, we'll see your dad, my mom. You want to go see your folks, Lloyd? No need. Uh, Are you sure? Uh, I mean, we've never met them. You don't talk about them much. My parents are kind people, and we have an understanding of each other. Their jobs are very demanding. There'll be plenty of time for introductions once our work is done. Now, I've scouted the area. There's a clearing ahead where we should be able to put this new ability to the test. Out in front of us was trees and sky, maybe about 300 feet of open field. I took the lead, Anna was in back, and Lloyd was in the middle. He figured if there was a chance of him taking this ride with us, it'd be sandwiched between the two people with psi abilities. We all focused on snowman, imagining the smell of the pine trees, the cold, the sound of our feet crunching on the icy ground. Anna and my telepathy helped the three of us sink our memories, see and sense the same place until we felt like we were there. And then, we ran. My eyes were closed. I just saw where I was going, not where my body was headed. And then, I felt the wind rushing faster than it should, and it was like stepping into a freezer. Just like that, we skidded to a stop on the road right outside of town. (laughs) That was awesome! Incredible! Our bodies appear to be intact. Hundreds of miles traversed in an instant with no apparatus but the human body. This is the discovery of a lifetime! The implications! The implications! Oh gosh. It's so good to be home. We visited Papa and Ninton's family. We picked up supplies in Marysville and were back to Youngtown in an hour and a half. I'll admit, I was nervous even being gone that long. It didn't feel right leaving them alone. They were so in need. So hurt. I want to be their rock. Time and again, I let myself think, maybe I could be. But me being here wouldn't get our parents back. Even though we can teleport now, it's not right to assume that I can promise to tuck them into bed every night. So we made sure they had what they needed. I I told them we'd be back as often as we could. And we left. Or we tried to. They clung to us as we turned to leave. None of us wanted to leave the Youngtown kids in their own, but Anna, I don't know if she'd admit it, but after everything we've been through, I could tell this was the hardest thing she'd done. 
That's the kind of person Anna is. She cares. More than anyone else I've ever known. <laughs> Heck, she might give a kitty to somebody on the street if they said they needed it. She told me that back in Snowman, the other kids call her Little Mother. I thought it was funny. I imagined her fussing over a bunch of little kids like a teacher or something. But that's not it. She was ready to give everything to protect these kids. She was willing to give all of herself because that's what they were asking for. It was beautiful and scary. There wasn't much Lloyd and I could do to comfort her. In some ways, we were lucky how difficult the road ahead was. The Youngtown Forest opened to a flat marshland. We could practically see all the way across with only tall grasses and a few scattered trees between us and the woods on the other side. But it was anything but a straight shot. It was a mess of lakes, streams, bogs, whatever. Dry land was scarce, and that made this big open place a beautiful and unbelievably hostile maze. Small herds of buffalo charged us. We'd dive out of the way and with nowhere to go, we'd land face first in the mud next to a pair of hissing alligators. The water was teeming with them. And it was easy for the big ones to waddle up on land and block our path. Even when we didn't see them, we could hear their weird grunting. No matter where we were, we were surrounded. And it wasn't just the wildlife, Mom. We saw aliens. I don't mean the saucers or robots. Not those weird creatures out in the desert. I'm talking actual space invaders in the flesh. We weren't sure what we were looking at at first. Some things came in low and flat from the water, then pushed themselves up tall. They moved in a kind of sticky, wrong way, sloshing like a liquid made out of pure muscle, like an octopus, but with way too many tentacles. The first thing we could make out were their teeth. These big, creepy smiles. And then we saw their eyes. Three of them. Two on stalks that poked out like snails from their head or body, I guess. And the third one was just above their mouths. They barked some words at us that we didn't understand, but we definitely got the point. Got her! Anna and Lloyd dove out of the way and I threw up a size shield just in time to shatter two blasts of ice in front of my face. They had psychic abilities too. And they looked at me or looked into me. I could feel them rummaging around in my brain. If Anna hadn't thrown a bolt of lightning at them, I, I don't really know what would have happened. Why were you <sighs> standing there? Don't look at their eyes. They were trying to hypnotize me or something. After that encounter, we were on the defensive more than ever. Teleporting back was basically impossible. Not enough room, too dangerous, so we pressed on. Out in the distance, we'd seen a small cabin with smoke coming out of its chimney. With all the winding paths, it took us ages to figure out how to get there. And by the time we did, we were exhausted, covered in muck and mud, and paranoid. What if this cabin was another trap like the hotel in Spokane? What if it was a hideout for those squiddy space mooks? 
We approached the cabin from the back, cautiously. But just as we did, this weird white trash can by the side of the house started moving. <laughs> huh? Hello? Look, whatever your concerns are, I promise you I'm no threat. Just please let me out. These industrial buckets aren't certified for this usage, you see. Wait. What did Einstein call his biggest blunder? Oh, well, uh, Einstein thought his biggest blunder was the inclusion of the cosmological constant in his field equations. You know, uh, presuming that the universe should be attracting itself gravitationally, slowing its own expansion. <laughs> Quite the blunder indeed. Unless, of course, if the uh, constant is real, then it's not a blunder at all, is it? <laughs> Correct. We have nothing to fear. That is, provided you don't take issue with my truancy, father. Huh? Oh, oh, good gracious, it's brought out here. Oh, Lloyd, is that you, son? It is. Oh, 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 whoopsie daisy. Sir, are you okay? Oh, oh, it's just the paresthesia. Why, why, Lloyd, you've made some friends. Hello there. It's nice to see you all. Well, I know you can't necessarily see me outside of your mind's eye, of course, but it wouldn't be the human experience without limitations, I suppose. Uh, I'm Lloyd's father, and you are? Oh, I understand if you're shy. I, I was shy for a long time. I had to read a book just to figure out how to work my way around it. Now uh, I can be overly forward, but I promise I don't bite. If it's safe for you to do so, if you could just speak your name loud so I can hear you. Well, pleased to meet you. Are you enjoying the show? I guess you must be if you've gotten this far. That's just wonderful. Thank you so much for cheering on my son and his friends. Lloyd, well, he's a chip off the family block. All brain. And that's not easy. Being different paints a target on you. I haven't been around to protect him. Frankly, I don't know how, in any material sense, that is. Though, by the look of things, he may have figured that out on his own. You know, it means so much that you're here for him. Listening along and encouraging him. I'd wager it means a lot to him, too, even if he doesn't acknowledge- Father, be it far from me to criticize your predicament, but what are you doing here? Oh, just a little workplace accident, son. <laughs> Never a dull moment for an enclosure specialist. <laughs> Duncan's refurbishing a factory in L.A. to produce these plastic industrial buckets. I was uh, inspecting the product and, uh, well, I'll be darned if I didn't get sealed in. <laughs> Though how I ended up in the river, I can't say. And you washed up here? Fished out. Wherever it was, well, they sounded like a young girl, but it took a lot of brute force to haul me out. She asked if I was a zombie or a squid. Wait a minute. Uh, I guess she lives here? Pippi? It seemed impossible, but what wasn't these days? I rounded the porch and saw a folksy wood sign above the door that read, The Lindgrens. Pippi Lindgren? Who wants to know? Ah! Hi. Ninton? What the heck are you doing here? <laughs> I, I could ask you the same thing. Whoa! Gun! Who the- Whoa, 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 whoa! There with me. Gun down. It's just an air rifle. A deadly weapon in capable hands. Pippi, these are my friends, Lloyd and Anna, and, uh, Lloyd's dad, who, uh, you fished out of a river. Um, everyone, this is my neighbor from Podunk, Pippi. Oh, from the graveyard. Gosh, it's a pleasure to meet you. You'd all better come inside. Ninton, you look hungry. Oh, big time. I could make 
Waffles? Waffles? The cabin was rustic and cozy, though the only warm reception was reserved for Ninten. Pippi regarded me in particular with icy indifference. If there was some kind of test for me to prove myself, she flunked me before I had a chance to take it. I had no idea your family had a second house. Where did you think we went on vacation? I don't know. Summers? I guess you've got a lot to learn about me, huh, cutie? You're out here all on your own? Your parents aren't here? I'm fine. I know these swamps like the back of my hand. Is everything okay, Pippi? It's fine. I'm just having a little me time, you know? Who wants waffles? This looks wonderful, Pippi. Thank you so much. It's no big deal. I had to improvise on the eggs, but they're just as good as chicken eggs. How resourceful. What do you think, cutie? Oh, they're real good. Mm -mm. Young lady. These are scrumptious. Perhaps it's a famine talking, but I dare say this is the best waffle I've ever had. How many days were you trapped in the bucket, Father? Uh, well, uh, it's hard to tell. In the absence of outside stimuli, my ability to observe the passage of time was undone. <laughs> now I'm moving through it again. It's quite novel. <laughs> uh, I'm tremendously grateful to our hostess for bringing me ashore and opening up the ventilation seal, or I, I dare say I may not be here enjoying this uh, superb meal with you all. Yeah, sorry about leaving you in the can. Never know who you can trust these days. Least of all an adult. Probably just a matter of time before he loses it like mom and dad. Oh, Pippi, I'm so sorry. What are you talking about? Your parents. Hey! What the, what the heck? Oh no. Oh shoot. What's going on? Who the heck? Do you think you are? I'm sorry. It's none of my business. You're darn right. Son, could you provide the insight here? Anna has psychic abilities, and I believe she's read Pippi's mind. Oh, fascinating. We can help. We're trying to fix things. I don't care. Hey, Pippi, listen. Anna's telling the truth. We're here to help. We're chasing down whatever's doing this, and we're going to stop it. I promise. Stay here, Ninton. Please. After the zombies... Mom and Dad started acting weird. They were scaring me. I ran away, and I'm fine, really. But it'd be so much better if you stayed. I... I can't. We've got to end this thing, or it's gonna get worse. Fine. Do whatever you want. I can take care of myself. Just promise me you won't tell them where I am. Pippi, I think you did the right thing. And you're right where you need to be. Over in Youngtown, all the adults were abducted. There's a bunch of kids, most of them younger than you, living on their own, trying to keep it together. So what? You want me to be a babysitter? It's not like that. You're resourceful, strong as Samson. You know how to live off the land. These kids lost their parents. They feel so helpless. We are going to put a stop to this, but those kids need someone right now. I guess, if I could be a help. I can't think of anyone better suited. Heck, I bet you'd be running the place when we get back. Emperor Pippi does have a nice ring to it. And I don't think it was a coincidence that you found Lloyd's father. 
I think you both should go. Uh, well, uh, uh, I'm afraid you've got me at a loss. Uh, as I'm sure my son will attest, uh, uh, I don't really have much aptitude for conventional parenting. It's true. But you're an engineer, a problem solver. You have a unique way of seeing the world. These kids are building things out of spare parts, trying to keep themselves safe while literal aliens are lurking through the woods. They have a problem, and your talents can help them solve it. Plus, you're tall. Uh, I, uh, I suppose the home office can wait a little longer before I file my report. So that's where we left them, in Youngtown. Rested and resupplied, we made our way back through the swamp, through the wilderness beyond. And there was L.A., a rough-hewn, rugged barnacle of a town, clinging to the river delta, with Mount Itoi and the dark cloud looming nearer than I have ever seen them. You're so close, Mama. We're so close. For you, for the children of Youngtown, for Pippi's parents, for Papa, for the planet and everyone, I swear, with all that I am, nothing will stand in our way. Love, Anna. Welcome to Mother She Wrote, a travelogue diary through the strangest, most thought-provoking, most heart-rending video games ever made, Mother as it's called in Japan, and Earthbound as it's called everywhere else. This is the story of the first game in that series, Earthbound Beginnings. I've been living that latchkey life in the swamp, no parents, no rules, and I turned out just fine. It's your favorite lost girl from the Floridian Neverland, Kat Blackard. You know, Kat... There's something very strange about your co-host. Oh, yeah? Something very strange indeed. I may not be a dragonborn, but I can Fusro demolish one with the right tools. Okay. But before we embrace oblivion, let's get the latest from the Mother's Day Times. First off, we want to give a shout out to the students of Nashville Children's Theater Fall Break 2023. You're all amazing. You brought Youngtown to life. Yes, it was so great working with all these brilliant young actors. You're absolutely wonderful. And the work the Nashville Children's Theater does to celebrate and uplift the creativity of young people is astounding. Special thanks to Anissa, Paul, Ellen, Lucas, Catherine, Kalyani, Asher, and Ruben. It was so cool to perform with you. And... To Nashville Children's Theater Director of Education Colin Peterson for coordinating this and helping make this crazy dream a reality. I really can't overstate how incredible the work of NCT is. Their performances of She Kills Monsters and The Old Man and The Old Moon were some of the best stage performances I've ever seen. Full stop. And the casts were all young actors. For any of you out there in the area, seek out their shows or, heck, maybe even enroll your kids. It's an incredible, supportive, and inclusive institution that fosters creativity in young minds in a way that I have never seen. It really is. Now, this episode is our last Earthbound Beginnings travelogue episode until early next year. So, you know, we thought, why not make this audio drama segment even bigger? <laughs> well, you obviously had some fun filling in some holes in the story. I did. 
Which holes, you ask? We'll get there in this episode's discussion. But, hey, speaking of holes, you won't have to go months with no mother, she wrote. Between now and then, we're filling that hole by adventuring into more dimensional slips and expanding our exploration of the Mother series at large. And of course, those episodes also contain Mother's Day time segments like this one, so you'll be kept abreast of all of our goings-on, neat stuff happening in the Earthbound community, and cool facts like this. Last episode, we mentioned Earthbound Beginnings' three gynoid robot enemies, which had American women's names in Japan, but then were changed to completely different American women's names in the U.S. translation. Clearly purposeful, but... I didn't know what the story was. Fortunately, Biozilla and Thane Gaming swooped in to the rescue. They both wrote in to share that mothers Jane, Caroline, and Susie became Nancy, Kelly, and Juana in Earthbound Beginnings. Phil Sandhop's localization team at Nintendo of America renamed them after Nancy, their team's administrator, Kelly, their licensing director, and Juana, the vice president of licensing. Thane Gaming pointed out, in the case of Juana and Kelly, it's funny that the tougher enemy was named after Juana because she's the director and Kelly, the less powerful enemy, is named after her assistant. Unfortunately, Phil Sandhop didn't credit their full names and I didn't have time to dig into that particular detail. But we've got more fun facts. Thane shared a localization change that I totally forgot to mention. All the gynoids had their sprites slightly censored because Nintendo decided that the shading pixels on their chests looked too much like nipples. Sandhop said, I'll claim that one. While I personally have nothing against nipples, they are robots and carried no function other than to suggest their femaleness. Smoothing down the old sheet metal sounded like it would be easier and look better than having them wear a top. Oof. Both Biozilla and Thane pointed out an intriguing mystery. No one, at least on the English side of the internet, knows who Mother's enemy names Jane, Caroline, and Susie are a reference to. Sure, they could be random names, but that's not usually the case when it comes to Itoi's work. So, if you can figure it out or find a clue, let us know. Write in at dearmothersherote at gmail.com. Biozilla also shared that Yucca Desert's music has a cool story behind it. When developing the game, memory space had to be carefully divided between the visuals and the audio, and at times, those two teams working on those parts of the game would bump heads. Yucca Desert's Tejano music that I highlighted as my memorable melody last episode was nearly scrapped due to space issues. However, because composer Keiichi Suzuki was dead set on having the music change when you enter the desert, he actually wrote a letter of request to the programmers to ensure that it would stay in the game. Thanks, Biozilla and Thane Gaming, for that expert psychic sleuthing. And be sure to check out Thane Gaming's YouTube channel, home to their extensive Dark Aspects of Mother series, and a recent interview with Aaron Cargyle, a producer of the Earthbound USA documentary. It's a fantastic discussion that goes deep into the nuts and bolts of documentary filmmaking. And also into the mayonnaise hole, one of my favorite subjects. And a discussion for another time. Mm. Gosh, I hope so. More to that point, our next episode is a Dimensional Slip interview with Earthbound USA's director, Jazzy Benson, where we'll discuss the artistry and passion of the mother fan community, how it's evolved, Jazzy's early fan films, and the way that art and artists communicate with each other through creation. So many works of art inspire the creators of this series, and Mother has likewise inspired generations of fans since to make their own radically different art. That episode comes out November 20th, one week before the film's online debut, which is Monday, November 27th. Head to EarthboundUSA.com for more details on where to watch it. Hey, Jess, we forgot to mention something in the last Mother's Day Times. What's that? Last episode's audio drama segment had a deleted scene that didn't make it into the final cut. Oh, right! In it, the kids meet Mr. Wimstein, the Twinkle Elementary Science teacher who sells them super bombs and the sticky machine. The scene has been fully voice acted and sound designed, and you can hear it! 
if you subscribe on Patreon or Fable and Folly Plus. Patreon, well, you probably know the drill. Go to patreon.com slash omniversemedia to support us and get early ad-free episodes, weekly updates, access to exclusive channels on our Discord community, and a lot of bonus content from all of our shows, past, present, and future. Now, Fable and Folly Plus is something we don't talk about as much, but it's a really cool service. If you love audio drama and want to listen to it ad-free along with bonus content, head to fableandfolly.com slash plus. You can listen to all the audio dramas in Fable and Folly's massive roster of shows, totally ad-free, supporting all those creators. And that includes Mother She Wrote and our other series, The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. If you love this show and are able to toss a few bucks our way, it means a lot. It takes countless hours to make every episode. And it's not cheap. Not at all. But there are plenty of ways to support the show where you don't have to spend a dime. Just a little time, and we really appreciate it. Wally90802 left us a review on Apple Podcasts. They said, I'm not a gamer by any means, and I don't play this game, but wow, is this interesting. Makes me want to play, but I don't have a Nintendo. That's what we're here for, Wally. The Cat and Jess Entertainment System, here to take you on uncanny adventures. But we only play three games. (laughs) Yeah. There is that. Schnozbun wrote in from Australia and shared that she found us by following the Earthbound tag on Tumblr, which is a hot tip. There's amazing stuff happening there. And we recently posted a bunch of your childhood Earthbound art to our Tumblr account. Yeah, it's fun. Check it out. Why not? Anyhow, Schnozbun shared that she wasn't born when the first two games were released, but in discovering creators like Stephen Gorg and Chugga Conroy, she learned about Mother. She says, their love for the series was absolutely infectious and made young me ravenous to learn more, opening me up to engaging with the fandom where I've met some of the loveliest, most creative people ever. Shout out to the Queen Mary's Castle Discord server. You guys, PK Rock. Schnozbun says, Earthbound really kicked my confidence into becoming a fanfic writer and hopefully a published writer one day. There's just something about mother games that make people want to dramatize their events and characters. Huh, funny that. And she goes on to say that our travelogue sections of the show remind her of the fun she had listening to archived episodes of Fobbies or Borange and Tree from My Youth and asks if those shows were an inspiration at all. Uh, what are those, Kat? Why, they are fan projects from Starman.net a little after my time, actually. Uh, I'm aware of them, but I haven't listened to them. Starman.yet used to host an online radio show put on by Jamie Lynn, and Fobbies or Borange was a segment on that show that was a kind of live, unhinged adaptation of Earthbound, if I understand correctly. Uh, and Tree from My Youth is that, but for Mother 3. Fun fact, my only interaction with Fobbies or Borange was at Camp Fangamer. Some of the cast reunited and made a short film called Fobbies or Borange 2, This is Canon, which you can watch on YouTube. And that's where I met Jamie, uh, who played Jeff in the show and is a lovely person who makes cool music you might like. Check out her record under the moniker Clover and Sea Life or the score to the hit Motherlike game, Omori. Speaking of Motherlikes, Schnozbun says that Mother has also introduced me to other pieces of media that drew inspiration from it, mainly Lisa the Painful. You should maybe talk about it if you ever do an episode covering media that's been influenced by the Mother series. And wow, somehow I never heard of Lisa the Painful. Gosh, uh, what a game. I watched video game Donkey's piece on it and I'm absolutely uh, floored, terrified, enamored. <laughs> We've got to play that someday. Yeah, I, totally. That looks wild. Schnozbun also shared that she's playing the demo of the Mother fan remake, Mother Encore, and has used our show as a, quote, informal guide. She says, I actually know where I have to go and what order to do things. Ha ha. <laughs> Happy to help, Schnozbun. Just doing our jobs, ma'am. We round up all the infotainment polecats around these parts. Why are you a cowgirl now? I don't know, little miss. 
but it's time to mosey. <laughs> well, yeehaw. Okay, then. We'll, we'll see you next time. When last we saw our heroes, they had stumbled haplessly into Magicant again somehow for some reason. Yeah, we went through that mystical monkey cave and we ended right back up in Magicant again. And so what happened? And I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, we're back here again. Uh, that's weird. Something's supposed to be different. And it's not really. Though if you haven't, as a player, made a habit of going to Magicant, I suppose there's a couple things that you might tend to, like, for example, the cat that swims in the ground, if you communicate with them telepathically because you have Anna in the party, just like there was a special gift for Lloyd, who's you know a weakling, you get a special ribbon that only Anna can wear. And, of course, if you are level 26 or higher, then you could go sniffing around the dragon. Well, I did go sniffing around the dragon, but... Uh, I did have to level up a little bit first because Anna was still like level 16 or 17. So I went and explored Youngtown and some other places and spent actually quite a bit more time in the desert just finding enemies to get Anna level up. And eventually I got her to level 20. I did go back. I found, uh, I collected the melody from the singing cactus. I did find the landmine and got the hidden message. Uh, And, you know, it was just lucky. I could kind of do some things, be productive while I was still uh, leveling Anna up a bit. So I got her to level 20. I learned some interesting new psi abilities. And before I went back to Magic Hand, I did swing back by Marysville so that I could pick up some items for Lloyd. I went back and visited the mysterious inventor in Twinkle Elementary. And bought one of everything that he had, including the real (laughs) rocket, which was a fun experience. It just like took off, shot into orbit and was gone and, you know, just wasted that money. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. And I had plenty of money, so I wasn't super worried about it. Uh, But I got one of everything else, uh, including the super bomb, the last weapon and the sticky machine. Yeah. We did the sticky machine a little bit in the prior episode. It's a good utility for Lloyd. Ninten and Anna have the ability to alter status effects of an enemy and like kind of control the battle situation a little bit more. It gives Lloyd some battle control. It can is very successful, generally speaking, at rendering an enemy inert, except for mechanical enemies. The super bomb is, I mean, you could buy bombs before. Super bomb's crazy useful. It's the equivalent of PK Fire Omega, which his cohorts will not get for a while. And uh, and gives Lloyd a huge advantage if you've got the money for it. And then last weapon, I don't know what that does. I tried using it and it just was like, you can't use this right now. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's the last weapon that Lloyd will use. We'll see. Um, I'm, I don't know how to break this to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, the last weapon is, uh, it's one of those items that just kind of crowds things up. Mm. So when you're in a battle... It just says, you can't now. But when you're out in the world and you use it, it says, if that's true, push the power off, but remember to hold reset. (laughs) What? It is effectively a world-ending weapon because it tells you how to destroy your universe. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) You push the power off and restart the NES. Wow, it's the ultimate way to not have to fight any enemies. <laughs> this game, it is so clever and so infuriating all at the same time. <laughs> it's frustrating, but you just gotta laugh at it. <laughs> yeah, 
That's what it is. Oh, it's it. <laughs> Last weapon. Okay. I'll put that in the uh, trust of my loving sister uh, and <laughs> yeah. let her take care of it. Yeah, Mimi's going to have fun with that. One day the world's just going to end because she got curious about what the hell Nintendo's been giving her. <laughs> So after loading myself up, I went back to Magic Hunt. I saved, I rested, made a plan, went to the dragon. So the dragon says, you must defeat me to earn my musical note. And then you fight. And the dragon is my smashable enemy of this section of the game. Because, you know, you're going to it. It's like, okay, it's this big intimidating dragon. And that sprite is so cute. It's so wonderful. It's, it's this, goofy. It is goofy. And it's just like, it's just... This goofy little dragon with this big smile on his face. To play up the childishness of Magicant, like most everything when you get into the, like kind of the deep darkness of the underflow, things get kind of spooky in there. But the dragon looks like a child attempted to draw a dragon. Its design makes no sense. <laughs> it has two thick haunches, like legs, but no arms. And it has wings, but they're not particularly big. And they have seven of like what would be on a bat's wings, like digits. So they just kind of like spring out in a way that doesn't make any kind yeah. of sense as, a, as an animal. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, the, the wings are the hands for a dragon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So the wings are hands, but these wings, they're just like awkward seven-digit things on your back. It's like you make jokes about the Tyrannosaurus Rex's tiny arms. This is worse. Yeah, the, the dragon just spends its time just sleeping down there in the underflow. There's so. nowhere to fly to, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no, you know, horde that I can see that it's darting or... It's a musical horde. He's got a, yes. a big record collection. <laughs> he's guarding the melody, and uh, that's the only thing he's got to offer. So you got to defeat him. But unfortunately, the dragon has some really strong attacks and has a lot of HP. But dear Catherine, what yes. if I told you that I one-shotted the dragon? Uh... Well, I've got some questions. <laughs> I know of a weakness that it has, but it didn't exactly allow me to one-shot it. <laughs> Let me tell you how this fight went down. Okay. So, I started the encounter. I had Nintendo cast defense down. I had Lloyd attempt to use the super bomb, and I had Anna cast, I think it was Brain Shock. I think okay. that's what I tried to use. The dragon killed Lloyd in one hit. Woo. Took him down completely. Poor guy. And did a lot of damage to Ninten. But Ninten was still alive. So at that point, I'm like, okay, this is going to be tough, and I'm probably just not ready for this. However, Anna had a new ability called Super Healing. And Super Healing will wake somebody back up who's been knocked unconscious. As illustrated in our prior episode. That's right. And so on the second round, I had her raise Lloyd back up. And I had Ninten cast a heal on himself. For the third round, I had Ninten drop another heal. I had Lloyd try to use the super bomb again. And I had Anna just try to use like a big uh, PK attack on the dragon. Well, the dragon attacked Lloyd again and knocked Lloyd down, but not all the way to zero. He still had like 20 HP left or something like that. Lloyd's turn comes up. He uses the super bomb and the dragon is defeated. Wow. That's it. One shot. Dragon goes down. Good job, Lloyd. Super Bomb's <laughs> powerful, like I said. Fire Omega is not learned by Anna until level 35. Wow. And then afterwards, it said, The dragon crooned his tune without much hesitation. The song went something like this. And you get another part of the melody. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, 
That was uh, my experience with the dragon. How did it go for you? I mucked about with the dragon in uh, prior sessions, just kind of noodling him after level 26 and seeing if I could get very far. And it wasn't working out. But this this last time, oh, I took the dragon down real fast because, well, it's a dragon. So I thought, why don't I use a PK Freeze on it and see how he likes that? Anna had uh, learned PK Freeze Gamma, which uh, the ability reduces the enemy's hit points to a critical status, which is usually like one. And there's every reason it wouldn't work on a boss, but I suppose because it's a dragon and because it was a freeze ability, it did. So Anna took the dragon down to one and all it took was just a flick and it was dead. Wow. So this dragon is really, it's a, I don't want to say it's all bark and no bite because it is clearly difficult if you don't know what you're doing, but it does seem to have some pretty substantial weaknesses. It casts PK Fire Beta, which attacks the entire party. Like, that's real bad. But if you have the money to spend on a super bomb or you've leveled Anna to a certain degree, you can just nuke it before it nukes you. Yeah. And I don't see how you wouldn't have that much money. I mean, honestly, with as much leveling as you do, as much fighting as you do, I have way more money than I know what to do with. I guess maybe I'm not spending a lot on healing items and things like that, but there's no armor really to purchase other than what's in Magic Ant, and I already have everybody outfitted with the best stuff, so it's like I have all this money just kind of sitting around, so yeah, I can go spend it on some really potent stuff to use when needed. No, you're right. I can buy all the plasma beams and super bombs I want and not really worry about it. That leaves us with just two more melodies. So close to having them all. And then you exit Magic Hand and find yourself in a new exit cave, like one that's close to Youngtown, which is now where the players exit Magic Hand every time that they go there now, uh, as opposed to Marysville. Yeah, that was surprising. So you're saying that does that every time now. It's kind of like yeah. you enter into Magic Hand from a certain place, and that changes where you come back out. Now, if you go back to the the Pink Spire that's near Podunk, and you enter Magic Ant through that, and then you exit again, do you think you come back out at Marysville? You know, Jess, that's something I don't know. Similarly, you could follow the train tracks all the way down past the desert and get to the Magic Ant Spire from the back door, hmm. uh, the one near Youngtown, and what does that do? I don't know the answer to that either. So you can get to Youngtown without... Going through the desert into Magic Camp. You can skip the desert entirely. That's mm. the freeform open world of the game at this point. Of course, you still need to get the singing cactus in order to beat the game, but you don't actually need to do any other things in the desert. I would be really curious to see what an optimized speedrun of this game looks like and what path you could potentially take to complete the game bypassing so much of this really interesting content. I would imagine, for the sake of simply beating the game quickly, uh, aside from using glitches, that it's just leveling Ninten intensely and then smashing your way through the game. After I left Magic Ant and exited the cave, I appeared back out kind of on the outskirts of Youngtown. And I traveled south a little bit from the cave exit. And eventually walk along the train tracks until you find yourself in a dense conifer forest. And inside that conifer forest is the train station for Youngtown. Yes. And inside the train station, there is an attendant. And this station agent speaks my mother, she quote, of this session. They say, 
All the trains have stopped. The track was ruined. It's the end of the world and you just ask questions? Stop asking so many <laughs> questions or I'll start to cry. That made me laugh so hard because I'm like, all right, this is the last train station on the map. It's quite literally the end of the world. And this whole time the game has been telling you, hey, go ahead, ask questions, talk to whoever you want. It's why it makes the game fun. And now all of a sudden you have this train attendant that's like, please stop asking questions. <laughs> Come on, game, make up your mind. <laughs> I mean, it that phrase of stop asking so many questions or I'll start to cry, it speaks to so many situations of of people being in crisis and being confronted by someone who has a totally different outlook on the situation or even just like neurodivergent overwhelm or I don't know. It felt like just one of those tiny, tiny moments in the game that feels powerfully human. You know, it could also be that the train attendant has been having to field requests from a bunch of people wondering why the train is still not working. And they're just like, oh, gosh, please just stop asking me about it. No, I don't know when the tracks are going to get fixed. True enough. It was at Union Station that we first got a sense that there was something bigger happening in the world and little fragments of how bad things are getting. Though this feels a lot like kind of the world that we live in now in which we can all collectively look around and be like, yep, things have definitely changed. They're a lot more ominous, but much like how it doesn't appear that an actual invasion has started yet, everything feels really grumbly and like a dam's about to burst. It's easy to still feel overwhelmed, but it hasn't actually happened yet. Even still, it still feels like the end of the world. Yeah. Well, Youngtown is definitely one of the places that's been impacted the most by this because that place is aptly named. There's only children wandering around it. As you approach Youngtown, there's this sort of like makeshift fence or gate that it looks like the children have constructed. And just after you get through that fence, you get the music for the town. It's a song that I remembered and a, a very noticeable, distinct and eerie sonic shift. Yeah, that was also my memorable melody for this section of the game. It is haunting. It starts like a weird slow morning alarm and turns into what could be the instrumental theme to a medical drama. That's a good description. It's really cool. I love it. And I also know it from Earthbound because it's in there as well, which will, when we discuss that game, we'll talk about that and the possible correlations between its use. But it's just really darn short, which is a, a shame. The haunting bit in the beginning, the slow morning alarm part, also has kind of a leitmotif to the Eight Melodies song. Hmm, you think so? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I guess I can hear that. Love is the magic. Love is the story. Love is the melody. We all, and then it, it you know goes off into huh. the. To, I mean, that's the point of a light motif, right? It's a teeny little thing. That's a sequence of notes that ties the whole score together as a body of work. Hmm. It's in there I for see. whatever reason. Yeah. It's kind of the outro section of the eight melodies St. Paul's Cathedral Choir song from the soundtrack, sung by a bunch of boy choir singers. And it has the whole, uh, you know, the part that everybody remembers that take a melody simple as can be, give it some words in a sweet harmony, and the, the eight melodies part, but then it has this kind of like outro section, which is the part that is referenced at the beginning of the Youngtown theme. Actually, isn't that part in like, it's in the title screen music for Earthbound Beginnings as well. 
Yeah, actually, <laughs> you are right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so it is part of the eight melodies, but it's not part of the eight melodies. But it actually, like you said, it's a motif that carries through multiple places in the soundtrack. Which is why when you hear the kind of busted version of it that starts the Youngtown theme, it might make you feel additionally uncomfortable. Yeah. So as you're walking into Youngtown and you start to encounter the children, they say some really interesting things. For example, the first child that you encounter says, Halt! Who goes there? (laughs) Boo-hoo. Yeah, or also possibly, You're suspicious. Wah! Then <laughs> uh, that's suspicious with a lisp. Um, that's like as it's written in the Mother Encyclopedia, potentially the Japanese rendition of that line as well. But yeah, there's a lot of little kids here that are trying to be adults, looking like some sort of like little headband Rufio kind of types, but they, uh, they're they all real fragile. Yeah. Poor things. One of them says, please bring back our mom and dad. Please, I beg you. And a couple others say, Mom, I miss you. Dad, I miss you. And another child says, please hold me. And there's some more that say, hold me too and me too. I love that section of the game. And like, we, you know, we, we created it in the, um, in the audio drama, but specifically because of the way it happens. The game assumes if you're walking through this clearing in Youngstown and you talk to these little NPCs that are moving around in sort of random patterns, but you're going to get into the sequence where you will watch their dialogue escalate if you talk to a kid and then in the impressionistic way of this game assume that you the player is holding that kid when they ask you to then you're eventually surrounded by kids who want you to hold them and that's kind of what it evokes in the way that it assumes how you will interact with that area of npcs which is fascinating one of the children explains that a big ship from the sky took mom and dad away so it seems pretty clear that the aliens came here and abducted all the adults and that must have been what happened to Anna's mom. Yeah. There's no official explanation for what Anna's mom was doing there. A little bit more information on Youngtown. There isn't much. The main industry is forestry. It's in this huge forested area. The town itself is like a bunch of isolated homes in between lots of what looks like tall grass and a bunch of pine trees. It's all really spread out. You don't see any signs of like the farmlands that's outside of reindeer or anything like that. There is a church with no one in it, and there is a jack shop. There's the inn and a store, as was in the case with Snowman. And, of course, Youngtown is not the name of the town in Mother. There's only so many major holidays. Jess, can you take a guess as to which holiday it might be? Let's see here. So we had Spookane, we had Thanksgiving, and it's something to do with forests and children. It's probably not something that's complicated as the 4th of July, even though it's Eagle Land. Um, hmm... I don't know. I'm kind of stumped here. What other holiday could it be? Well, it's Youngtown. It follows the Advent Desert. It's Easter. Easter? Really? Yep. We talked about all those resurrection myths about the second coming of Christ and so forth with the uh, official backstory for Advent Desert. So here we are in the town of Resurrection, where only the young are here, just like the eggs left by the Easter Bunny. That's really surprising, honestly. I don't know much about Shigesato Itoi's background, but... There is a weird amount of Christian undertones in this game. Not that it has any kind of Christian component to it, but that it appears to be observing Christianity and maybe observing Christianity as a facet of America the same way that this whole game is a kind of like Japanese person's observation of America and American media. Also, it being Easter is obviously like that's a holiday that has 
a pretty intense religious component depending on, I mean, varies from family to family. But to me, that also could suggest that based on everything from the encyclopedia that we mentioned last episode, there was a group of Mormons in the area that looked to Advent Desert as like a sacred space. This remote town could actually be a religious camp of a kind. This could be like a Mormon town or something. There's a lot more kids here than uh, the average town in, in this game so far. And, uh, Maybe that's just to, you know, to prove the point of of illustrating the abduction, or maybe there's just a lot more kids here because a fundamentalist religion is, uh, patriarchally speaking, uh, inclined to produce a lot of offspring and so forth. So the only thing that the encyclopedia offers in terms of details about the town of Easter is there's a photograph of what looks like, uh, like an older person and a child decked out in very intense Easter parade garb, like hats with eggs and, and everything, and the caption says, an Easter site. So we don't know much about this town where they mainly do forestry, but uh, apparently they party hard on Easter. That's all we have. One thing I did want to mention about the way that the town sort of appears or it's presented to you in the game, it is in a conifer forest. The main industry is uh, forestry. And you mentioned that there's lots of like tall grasses and things like that around. I kind of took that as like, the place hasn't been kept up since all the adults are missing. Like nobody was like mowing lawns or, you know, trimming the shrubbery back or something like that. That's the way that I took it was that it was just the town was kind of starting to get overgrown because the kids weren't taking their kids and there's no adults there kind of keeping everything up. Yeah. uh, I mean, it is at the least very rural. It's hard to say what they're implying exactly, but there's no roads. There's no pathways. Just a lot of trees and a lot of green fields. Moving on through Youngtown, one kid says, I heard my dad's voice coming from the mountains, but the mountains are beyond the town of L.A. It's so far away, I can't make that journey. So that seems to indicate that, first of all, this kid has amazing hearing. And two, the parents and the adults of this town were maybe taken to the mountains? Yeah, I mean... That disseminates some important information that, yes, if you had any question about it, you do need to go to Mount Itoi. The abduction probably brought their parents there. Signs have kind of been pointing in that direction, but there's not a lot of tangible information in the game to say that. I'm curious what the original Japanese version said, because obviously the whole, I heard them calling from this mountain, which is very freaking far away. That's unlikely. Was it in a dream? I don't know. I feel like we're missing some information here. You know what I want to see? I want to see a ROM hack of this game where somebody replaces all of the characters and enemies in the game with characters and themes that are taken from the Peanuts cartoons. I want to see Charlie Brown as Ninten. I want to see Linus as Lloyd. Lucy is an Anna, and they're just, you know, going around and, and visiting. It's like, you know, the, the Peanuts holiday specials at each one of these towns. That is very interesting uh, for a couple reasons. Most notably, I guess I didn't ever say it on the show, but they edited the sprites to make them look less like Peanuts characters. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you look at Ninten from the side, he looks just like a Charles Schultz drawing. (laughs) Dead on, not so much, but from the side, yeah. And uh, they even edited Ninten's mom because she looked a little bit too much like, I forget her name, but the blonde girl from Peanuts. Charlie Brown's sister, Sally. Yeah. Uh, Also, Ninten's mom's name is Carol. I don't think we mentioned that either. It was a translation of the game's manual. Says their name. Could you imagine like Woodstock walking around Canary Village and. 
I mean, yeah, that's the thing. There's intentionally a lot of peanuts in the character design for these games, and that continues on in Earthbound in a way, in one particular way that's extremely obvious. But they did make a couple sprite edits for this game to attempt to not uh, <laughs> incur the wrath of Charles Schultz. That's wild. So they did that before the release of Mother in Japan. That wasn't a change. No, that, that was that was a that was an American localizing uh, an American oh, localization change. Okay, yeah. so yeah. they did. So the the sprites in Mother are different from the ones in Earthbound Beginnings. Slightly. I mean, these are the the tiniest squares, but they just wanted to ever so slightly nudge it so it would look less like Charlie Brown. Wow. But the correlation between the Charlie Brown holiday specials and Earthbound and the titles of the towns in this game, I never jumbled that together in my head before. So I think that's actually a really, that sounds like a really fun hack. And perhaps because the correlation, someone may have even done it by now. I don't know. Is there, <laughs> you know, is there a great pumpkin mod for Earthbound Beginnings? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, Linus just sitting out there in the pumpkin patch and then you gotta go talk to him. And uh, of course, uh, Snoopy is the old man in the desert. I was thinking the sleeping dragon, but yeah. Well, no, because he's the Red Baron. That's right. You know? Yeah, he flies the airplane. Yeah, he would, yeah, Snoopy would fly you around. So you mentioned that there's jack shops here. There's two entrances at the jack shops. There's like a, an inn where there's a child inside of it who says, well, dad isn't home and I don't care about money. So if you need a place to stay, feel free to stay here tonight. And then you just get to sleep there, which that's nice. <laughs> you don't have to pay anything to stay at the inn. Yeah. Though you do get a little message afterwards where they say, Please come back again someday. If you do, I may not get quite so lonely out here. Yeah, I felt really sad. So I made it a point to come back and stay at that inn again. Very so kind of you. So that child wouldn't be lonely. There is a translation variance between the English and Japanese version that I am aware of because there's a screenshot of this in the encyclopedia. And whenever there's a screenshot in the encyclopedia, Kinesu translates what's on the screen. So as opposed to saying, I don't care about money, it's actually like, I don't understand money. And I said understand again with a lisp because the Japanese text is evoking a sort of childlike lisp. Next door is a shop, like a, an actual store where you can go and buy things. It's got an ATM and a phone in it that you can call dad. And I'm curious, is that an adult that's running the counter there? It is not. According to the encyclopedia, it is the oldest boy amongst the kids. It, they use one of the um, the kind of greaser-looking uh, sprites like the same person who came up to you in Reindeer and sung a melody that Ninton did not want to remember, that same sprite is used for this, like, I guess, cool older boy, maybe old enough to grow some hair on his chin, but uh, not old enough to get abducted by aliens. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I saw that person in the store and I was like, wait a second. But, you know, we've seen strange things with shopkeepers before, so I didn't want to assume anything. They do sell a weapon for Lloyd that's worth getting, the air gun. Yeah, I picked one of those up. And also the nonstick pan, a frying pan upgrade for Anna. Is that better than the yo-yo? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't have really ever have her hit anything physically, so I didn't buy it. Same. I went ahead and bought one. I just figure, hey, if it's further along in the game, it's probably better. But again, I shouldn't assume anything with this game. <laughs> yeah, get to the final area and they'll sell you some like fancy new equipment that's very expensive that has terrible stats. That's totally something they would do. It is not something that they did. Good. <laughs> well, except that one time in Earthbound, kind of. But we'll get there. <laughs> We're talking more and more about Earthbound as we get closer and closer to the end of this game. It's it's, it's I'm teasing people. <laughs> I like it when you tease people. It's fun. <laughs> 
apparently there's psionic powers that are you know going around the the children here in Youngtown. So maybe that's how that uh, kid was able to hear his dad calling from the mountain. That's possible. Because one of the other children says, something's very strange with the Garrickson baby. Something very strange indeed. And I think there's one or two other people that might make a comment about it as well. And so one of the houses that you can walk into has a couple of children and a baby in it. Yeah, something we have not seen in this game before, and quite frankly doesn't happen a lot in games. A literal infant swaddled in clothing is sitting on the bed. The encyclopedia says, As if drawn by a mysterious unseen force, you decide to stop by this house. Something has been calling to you for a long time. You want to give relief to the children whose parents were stolen away, and that feeling gives power to a single baby, a power adults can't understand and which will be passed on to you. Wow, that's a pretty big clue. Because that baby teaches you something very important. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the two other children that are there. Presumably, they are siblings of the baby. One of them says, Mom told me this baby has mystic power. So, kind of reinforcing again, there's something special going on with this baby. The other one says, What is my mother, she quote, for this section of the game? Oh, yes. My name is Tom Garrickson. I like to introduce myself. It's my hobby. (laughs) Which I thought was great. Like, okay. I mean, what a sociable little kid just likes to introduce himself to people. It's a, you know, it's 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 a great hobby. hobby. Sure. I study all all forms of international introduction. (laughs) You're going to go places in life, kid. (laughs) I know all the introduction social etiquette. Here, let me slightly bow and present you my business card. (laughs) There are some weird translation stuff i don't know exactly what's going on with it but in kinesu's translation as of us reading this in june of 2023 there's a caption under a photo the photo is of a tree line with a small wooden fence it says deep within these woods lies gary's place the encyclopedia also says that tom garrickson is gary's older brother so it's weird because it does reference the house as the Garrickson house, I think the translation must actually imply that deep within these woods lies the Garrickson's place, and Tom Garrickson is the older brother in the Garrickson family. However, I love the implication that the baby's name may be Gary Garrickson. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's so good. That's the first thing that I thought about when you said Gary's house. I was like, really? Is there somebody in that house that's named Gary Garrickson? <laughs> That kid's not going to want to introduce themselves to people. (laughs) In the novel, the baby's called Noel because in the novel, the baby was found on the doorsteps of an orphanage. Uh, There's a huge orphanage in town. That's where all the kids come from for the most part. But the, the novel is so far from anything to do with the games and the encyclopedia that I, I can't really give any credence to anything in there. (laughs) But when you talk to little Gary, he says, goo ga. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, not, not a whole lot, not a whole lot, you know, but if you use telepathy on the baby, the baby says, yes, even though my body is that of a baby, like you, I possess psychic abilities. I know the power of teleportation. Use this power to return to a place you've been to. And then plays a, a fun little melody and the baby teaches you the teleportation psionic power. Yes. And if you talk to the baby again with telepathy, he says... 
teleportation is a psychic power not to be played with. And the encyclopedia says, the power to leap over time and space in the blink of an eye, nobody would blame you if the first thing you used it for was to leap back home to your dear old mom. This is a feature that anybody who's played Earthbound will be familiar with. You have the ability to call up a list of all the principal places in the game. So far, it's my home, Podunk, Marysville, Reindeer, Spookane, Snowman, Youngtown, and there's a space, presumably, for L.A. (laughs) Who needs the Paradise Line when you can just get a running start, hit 88 miles per hour, and suddenly you're leaping through the multiverse, arriving back exactly where you want to go? Yeah, what does appear to be a clear reference to Back to the Future. In order to teleport, you have to find a runway. You have to find a space that your characters can move in a straight line without being obstructed by any obstacles or NPCs. And only then, once you've hit a sufficient length, will you blast off and return or all of your your children will be brutally halted and turned into little cinder children for a little (laughs) bit. But it doesn't do anything permanent to you. It's just sort of a funny little, oh, you ran into something. Better back up and try again. Covered in soot and surprised. Ah. Yeah. It's like you burned up on re-entry and uh, got stopped. Yeah. I love that they give you this incredible power and then make it really difficult to use. I mean, even finding a place to use it in Youngtown, there's a couple places you can. But with all the trees and and kids and everything, it's kind of complicated. Yeah. You really got to make sure you kind of start walking in a straight line. And then once you kind of feel like, oh, I think that was probably about enough room for me to do this, then you turn around and you get a running start. Now, one thing I did not do... I did not back up and then run into somebody else. I, I don't know what happens if you run into a person, like if they kind of wonder if they path into your way. Same thing. If it's at the point in which the running would be stopped and the teleportation would end, if you hit an NPC, you turn into a little cinder child. It can be tough to find a good place to get that big of a running start. Usually if you're in a, a city, a long straight street is kind of the best way to go. But it's really difficult if you are in, let's say... A wilderness area that has lots of twists and turns and doesn't have a lot of straight line shots. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. How funny. Um, That's not going to be important in just a moment. When we say difficult, we mean actually difficult in an interesting way. Like, it's cool that they've presented us with this problem. It's not a problem that we can't get the instant gratification of leaving. It's kind of interesting to have to actually, like, kind of look at the path and think, okay, I can walk this far and this far. Okay. It's like, imagine you're trying to plan out like a cool jump on your bike from a ramp or something as a kid. And you're like, okay, how much room do I need to do this thing? You have to think about it. And that's fun and realistic, even though what you're doing is preposterous. It is incredible game design, honestly. I don't know of any other game that uses a mechanic like this, but it is a very clever way to sort of limit the ways that you can use this awesome power without making it feel like an artificial limitation. It's not like, you know, oh, well, you just can't use this right now because you're in a town and you, ha- you have to go outside of the town to use it. There is a very reasonable sort of explanation for when you can't and can't use it. And I have to think that that is at least somewhat intentional. Oh, for sure. But it just, you know, it makes you think, of it, you have to think about it. And uh, it's very satisfying gameplay. It's, it's really good game design, I think, anyway. So, it would be really inconvenient if you got into an area with a bunch of super difficult enemies where you couldn't use teleport, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's not like there is a big twisty swamp that lies between Youngtown and L.A. that you have to navigate. Yeah. 
Oh, wait, that's exactly what it is. Ah, oh, darn. Um, <laughs> it's it's a weird thing because like L.A., everybody's talking about it. Everybody says it's a big city and it's dirty and whatever, right? We know that about it. The train doesn't go <laughs> to this big city. The train stops in the middle of nowhere. And the only way you can get to L.A. is by crossing through a swampy wilderness preserve. Well, you know, maybe they're still building the train. Maybe, though there's reasons they might not be. When you go to exit Youngtown and you enter into the swamp, there's a child that says, Suspicious guys, I will stop you. Arg! And then doesn't do anything. Poor kid. <laughs> Trying so hard. But you walk out into the swamp and it is a maze. Like so many other natural areas of this game, there's lots of bridges over bodies of water. There's twisting paths that backtrack on themselves. I was making my way through there and Anna got knocked out because of course she did. That's just you know what she did. I hadn't leveled her up very much at that point. And I was trying to figure out a way to get out of there. Of course, I had forgotten to like set any breadcrumbs anywhere. And I knew that I couldn't use my teleportation power because there was nowhere to run around. So I kind of just kept wandering through, just hoping that I would find my way out. And eventually I did pop out the other side uh, to L.A., but it was quite a journey getting there. And through extremely harsh terrain, the enemies, some of them are awful to fight. Like the bison? (laughs) Yeah. But we'll get there. Let's talk about the swamplands, what we're seeing, what we're looking at. The average temperature of the swamplands is 50 degrees Fahrenheit. The average humidity, however, is 85%. Mm. A land with a climate exactly like that of Finland's marshes. There are a lot of precious animals here that, even in this country, are on the verge of extinction. The huge wetlands, surrounded by conifer forests on all sides, are what's called rare glacial aftermath. This is because, during the Ice Age, large glaciers flowed down slowly from the surrounding mountains and piled up in this land, and ever so slowly, scraped away the ground until they had formed huge wetlands at zero meters above sea level. The beautiful landscape calls Scandinavia to mind, but repels people owing to the high humidity at low temperatures. The only visitors are hunters at the start of the summer open season, turning it into hunting grounds for the scarce buffalo and deer. And let me tell you about those buffalo. They're not to be trifled with. Yeah. It's a green buffalo with angry eyes. It does lots of damage. It has lots of HP. And I started using hypnosis to put them to sleep. That seemed to be like a pretty effective way of handling them, especially when I ran into like a group of them. Well, there's only one way to, to run into them. Like they travel in herds. When I ran to a group of three bison, I just used fourth dimensional slip and got out of there. A wise move. A wise move. Now, let's briefly explore all of the precious uh, creatures who live here. We have the bison. These are, according to the encyclopedia, the American bison. Bison and buffalo are different things, of course. Oftentimes, American bison are colloquially called buffalo, as in Buffalo Bill and and so forth, uh, or Buffalo Burgers for that matter. But buffalo are exclusively Asia and Africa. These are, in fact, bison. They always appear in herds. He'll charge you using his horns for weapons and often carries out continuous attacks. Yeah, do not like. But what's interesting, though, is that in the swamp, you fight the bison. However, when you leave the swamp and are on the road just before L.A., you will then fight the water buffalo. In Earthbound Beginnings, the water buffalo is just called buffalo, but it is listed as a water buffalo. It's the same same sprite, different palette. It's not as tough as the bison. The bisons use continuous attacks. But uh, there's a wonderful bit of flavor text in the encyclopedia which says, Even the gentle buffalo will give you the stink horn. (laughs) 
The only other earth creature in the swamp is the crocodile, which is actually an alligator. That's not me just being specific about the shape of the snout. In Mother, it's called Tough Alligator, a palette swap of the alligator from the Podunk Zoo. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I saw that it was called Crocodile and I was like, uh, I don't think that's right. <laughs> yeah, but then they got a water buffalo, so who knows. There's also the seagull that appears in the swamp and they are annoying because, again, a seagull stole my bread. Yes, the seagulls, which are called thieving seagulls in Mother, in fact, it's kind of hard to make out, but they're actually wearing uh, bandit masks. Um, hmm. They are like the crows, but upgraded to be extremely <laughs> formidable enemies, and they only travel in flocks. Hey, you have personal experience with this. Remember that one time we were sitting on the beach, you were eating a sandwich, and a seagull stole it out of your hand? Yep, I was gesticulating with half a sandwich as I was speaking to you, and then I felt a weird breeze in the back of my neck, <laughs> and and was dive-bombed by a seagull who was being chased by all the other seagulls who wanted to dive-bomb me for that sandwich. They flew out over the crashing waves in a in a fury, tore that thing to shreds as they fought over it, and then like descended into like a, a, a mess in the waves as they picked apart the bits that had fallen into the ocean. It was really impressive. That was a pretty good show, honestly. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was annoyed that I lost the sandwich, but, but it was a fair trade, I think. So I guess that's a common theme with the bird creatures in this game is they all seem to steal your bread. Yeah, which makes sense, I suppose. As I alluded to, the um, creatures from Earth are not the only things in the swamp. But before we talk about the other enemies, I want to ask an important question. Where in America is this? <laughs> that is a really good question, because on the in-game map, we are in the northeast corner. Uh-huh. And the only things that are sort of like up here, there's Youngtown, there's three little dots, and then there's L.A. in the very northeast corner. Now, of course, L.A., I'm guessing, is sort of being based on Los Angeles, which is obviously on the west coast of the United States. And then also, we had made some assumptions about the tank battlegrounds that are sprawled over several southwestern states in regards to the Yuga Desert. So looking at this glacial-carved wetlands is a really interesting thing. And with L.A., L.A. is a name chosen by localizers. That's not actually the intent of Shigesato Itoi to evoke Los Angeles with that town. So we can put that aside and... Just looking at where this could be, having bison and alligators in the same place. You know, Jess, there is literally only one place in the United States that I can think of or have been able to research that has both of those things. And we've both been there. Is it that weird little taxidermy store that we went to in Nashville? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. It's also a wetland. <laughs> uh, that's the other part. Um it's uh, Payne's Prairie, a nature preserve just outside of Gainesville, Florida. It's a wetland, a prairie, and it has both alligators and wild bison. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we didn't run into any while we were there. But I do remember now you mentioning that there were wild bison. Yeah, I've uh, gotten up uh, at the crack of dawn, wandered out into the misty prairie, and uh, stumbled upon a whole herd of roaming bison. It was majestic and strange. Yeah, and they tell you not to approach them. Oh, yeah. That's, that'd be a big mistake. They use continuous attacks. <laughs> <laughs> they are huge. Wow. So this is like right in your own backyard. In truth, I don't think they had anything in particular in mind because obviously there's no mountains in Florida. The glacial carve out is not, that's not a thing. That didn't happen here. And they, they're comparing it to Finland. Obviously, it says the average temperature is 50 Fahrenheit, and that is very untrue of Florida, only on cold days. 
But if we're just looking at the wildlife, there's nowhere that's going to have alligators who have certain environmental needs and bison at the same time. There's Big Branch National Wildlife Refuge in Louisiana, which I don't believe has bison, but, you know, is a marshland. And bison, bison are present all over the United States. They had a population of 60 million in the late 1700s and could be found from Alaska to New York to Florida. And then in 1889, they were culled down to just 541 as part of a calculated attack on the first people's food sources, which is Mm. real messed up. Throughout the 20th century, there were a bunch of restoration efforts in the mid-20th century, and they were introduced into Payne's Prairie in 1975 as part of a plan to restore the savanna to the um, something like its appearance in the late 1700s. But then they're saying this is a place where you can hunt bison. Now, that's technically allowed in some states, but is an impossible permit to get. However, because of the bison meat industry, there are actually hundreds of thousands of bison these days. There's only 31,000 of them that are wild, but hundreds of thousands more that are in industries and in private ranches where people who participate in the disgusting habit of trophy hunting can kill them. Mm. This has been your Nature Break with cats. <laughs> now, of course, also in the, uh, <laughs> in, in the swamps, there are aliens and lots of them. We got the usual like barbots, saucers, starmen. It's not nice out there. We even get an upgrade of Nancy the robot. We now have Kelly who was called Caroline in Mother. Relatively the same design, but yellow and has a Borg-like eyepiece, does some different stuff, like using darkness on you, and something new. My most smashable enemy, the Mook. Yes, the Mook. I was like, okay, <laughs> why is this called a Mook? I mean, that might be a sort of like derogatory nomenclature in, in this world, but on their planet, I'm sure it's, uh, you know, it's very honorable. These are like three-eyed, grinning, Lovecraftian squid people. And the creatures that we met out in the desert, those are theoretically wild alien creatures. This is very clearly a sentient biological soldier of whatever the alien invasion is. Yeah. If you check them with Lloyd, it says, uses psi attacks, which is not super helpful. But oh boy, do they use psi attacks. (laughs) Yeah, and the encyclopedia, it says their intelligence is pretty high up there. They use paralysis, brain shock, hypnosis, defense up, and a substantial chunk of the PK Freeze family of attacks. Fortunately, they don't have a lot of HP, so they can go down pretty quickly. But there's still uh, a lot to deal with when you are already struggling to make your way through this weird swamp maze thing. Yeah, they try to control you. It's like a control deck in Magic the Gathering, if you will. They will make your party somewhat unplayable, and the best tactic is to use those methods against them and lock them down so you can beat them up before they do it to you. As you're wandering through the swamp, you come across a little house with a trash can sitting outside of it. And that trash can is wiggling. (laughs) I thought, okay, that's really strange. What's happening here? And I went up and checked it, and (laughs) it said, I'm Lloyd's father. I think Ninten's dad asked, but you told him your name. And it's a yes or no question. If you say yes, he says, okay, that's fine. Please look after Lloyd. He is a real weakling. <laughs> he's really not. Like, these people need to treat him better. Seriously, it's up. Lloyd's it's awesome. Up. Yeah. They call it a plastic industrial bucket that Lloyd's dad's hiding in. Something a little bit higher class than a trash can, but it sure as heck looks like a trash can, Lloyd's dad. Yeah, it looks exactly <laughs> like it. 
And I was just like, so I just started laughing out loud when I saw that. And I'm like, what is it with this game and never showing any of the main characters' fathers? It's just, it's always presented this weird way. It's like a telephone. It's, you know, somebody talking to you from inside a very uh, swanky garbage pail. Uh, it's, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, well, I guess it's like father like son. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's strange. It, it, it clearly, Clearly, it means something. It means something enough to be turned into a running gag. And I'm guessing if you say no to his question, he must ask you for your name at that point. Yeah, it's a chance to re-enter it. And of course, he only mentions that Ninten's dad asked because Ninten's dad did ask back in Snowman. So I guess the game is just making sure that it's got your name ready for whatever it's going to use that for. Yeah. Um, But then inside the house, we find an old friend. Yep, we sure do. (laughs) It's me, Pippi. We meet once again, Ninten. Don't say anything, but I didn't tell my mom I came here. You must be tired. Why don't you stay here tonight? Come on, Ninten. Come stay. Stay in this house with me. Come on. Yeah. It could be our house, Ninten. Yes, our house in the swamp. I have so many questions. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Unfortunately, there aren't many answers. I have a little bit, though. The mm-hmm. encyclopedia says, An adventure life in the little house in the great wetlands. In a very intentional reference to Little House on the Prairie. Um... <laughs> Why buy a house in a labyrinthine swampland where if you get lost, you'll never come out again? Pippi's father is a hunting enthusiast, and this is the only place in the country where buffalo hunting is allowed. It's a maze, and any first-time visitor will get lost in, but this family knows their way around it as if it were their own backyard. Pippi's mother enjoys making necklaces and bracelets out of the amber dug up here, and Pippi never tires of making chit-chat with the animals. For Pippi's family, this is paradise on Earth. Wow, good for them. So what's Lloyd's dad doing in the can outside? (laughs) Well, Lloyd's dad and Pippi both came here thinking that the shadow of evil influence wouldn't get this far. But the further north you head, the stronger this ominous shadow becomes. So they went towards the big ominous shadow. Well, yeah, I guess they kind of, I mean, it's a metaphorical shadow. Okay. Right? They're not talking about the dark cloud on top of Mount Itoi. What the encyclopedia means here is ways that people's brains are getting twisted. Okay. Now, I feel like that's kind of flimsy. So obviously we've made some modifications in the narrative so it all sticks together nice. But that's the official word on it. That's all we have to go off of. Well, it seems like Pippi has a knack for sneaking away, not telling anybody where she's going, and then getting into the middle of a very dangerous place. Yeah, uh, Kinesu actually translated another screen capture here that gives us a bit of a better window into what the real deal is with Pippi. As we mentioned in one of our Mother's Day times, we learned that officially Pippi was like chasing around like squirrels and stuff or whatever and, and wandered into the graveyard because she lost track of herself. Well, in the original Japanese text, she says, I went out to play again. That's why I'm here. Don't tell my mom, though. It's a long way for a kid to go. How'd she get all the way over here? I have no idea. <laughs> it is improbable. They're just being silly. And uh, unlike most of the rest of the game, they're not making any attempts to make sense. But still, it was really nice seeing a friendly face out here in the middle of all this frustrating swampland. And it was really nice being able to spend the night somewhere and, and recover my uh, hit points and psionic points. Fun fact, Jess not once, not once did I fight the bison this entire time. Wow. How'd you get so lucky? I don't know. I have no idea. I fought plenty of buffalo once I got out of the swamp, but no bison, which is merciful because they are brutal. Once you do eventually exit the swamp, you make your way up to LA. Now, I didn't 
I went into the city and I found a place to save and I didn't do anything else while I was there because that was where we agreed to uh, stop for this section of the game. But I did make it there and I unlocked that teleportation spot. We have every indication that when we explore the large town of LA, we're going to meet a new friend. The last friend, hopefully not the same effect that the last weapon has apparently. Uh, <laughs> Because we got to finish this game out. Yeah, we don't want to embrace Sweet Oblivion just yet. We, we want to meet all of our friends and also <laughs> save the world, perhaps. But until then, I'm Jess. I'm Kat. And that's all she wrote. Mother She Wrote is made possible thanks to the generous support of our Patreon producers, Amber Devereaux, Becky Scott Fairley, Bob Hogan, CB, Joe Tank Ricciardelli, Josh King, McDribble Deluxe, Mjolnir MK86, Patrick Webster, Sean Hutchinson, Sean T. Red, and our Super Deluxe Executive Patreon producers, Big Bad Shadow Man, Marcus Larson, and Jamieson Lalone. You can join the team at patreon.com forward slash omniverse media. And if you think that Mother She Wrote is simply smashing, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player. This series is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida, and Lovell, Kentucky, on lands stolen from their indigenous people, the Tamuqua and Seminole, and Shawnee, Cherokee, Osage, Seneca Iroquois, Miami, Hopewell, and Adena. Acknowledgement of the first peoples of these lands and the lasting repercussions of colonization is just the beginning of the restorative work that is necessary. Through awareness, we can prompt allyship, action, and ultimately, decolonization. For links to aid indigenous efforts and to learn more about the First Nations of the land where you live, visit omniverse.media slash landback. Mother She Wrote is written, produced, and performed by me, Jessica Mudd. And me, Kat Blackard. Our original score is composed and performed by Jess. The role of Anna is performed by Sarah Ray Werner, with additional voices provided by Joshua LaForge, Nat Garnett, Declan, and the students of Nashville Children's Theater Fall Break 2023. Special thanks to the Nashville Children's Theater, their Director of Education, Colin Peterson, for his invaluable assistance and co-direction, to Biozilla for his research contributions, and as always, Kinesu for his translation of the Mother Encyclopedia. Find a link to this translation, other media we've referenced, and full episode transcripts at MotherSheWrote.Earth. Mother She Wrote is not affiliated with Nintendo, Shigesato Itoi, or any rights holders of the Mother and Earthbound intellectual properties. Please play the game's official Nintendo releases. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Oh, hey, friends, it's me, your Dungeon Master, Russ Moore. You don't know me, but I'm going to introduce you to Dungeons & Dragons, where I play D&D with my friends, and and they're going to become your friends because you're going to love us so much. I mean, maybe maybe you won't love us, but we'll love you. Let me give you a taste of the show in 42 seconds. Let's go! You must have a a flask. He's got a satchel. This is the most disappointed (laughs) way I've ever heard anyone say the word satchel. How much is a donkey cost? Russ, how much is a donkey cost? The question everyone wants to know. (laughs) For one hour. concentration, so if you do another concentration spell. It's abjuration, you doink. It's concentration. (laughs) I mean, that sounds like exactly the sort of person you should probably tell your friends about. The kind that are there and say, like, weird, mysterious things and then just disappear? Yeah, that's why I'm telling you. Okay. Also, he had three eyes. Oh!
We're having this rager. I mean, Lich Astley and the Magic Magic Missiles is going to be playing later tonight. Is he ever going to give you up? <laughs> never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Orcus is going to rule all and he won't desert you. What else do I need to tell you? We're Dungeons and Dragons. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts or at dumbdragons.com. We can't wait to adventure with you.